Thank you so much, Chris. I've been working in mobile for uh, three and a half years now, uh, mobile web development, that is. Um, during that time, I noticed that there are three things on mobile that are really, really, really different from desktop. The first is the small screen, and we found a solution, meanwhile, which is responsive design. Mark already talked about that. The second is touch events, which are somewhat different from mouse events. I'm not going to talk about that today. Today, instead, I'm going to talk about pixels and viewports, because uh, pixel, pixely stuff is actually mo much more complicated than you think, except that we do, uh, on desktop, we do it kind of naturally, and we understand what's going on, and we don't really think about it. But once you make the step to mobile, you do have to start thinking about pixels, about viewports, about zooming, and about more of that kind of stuff. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. So, pixels. What exactly is a pixel? I'm not going to read this to you. Um, it's complicated. It's a W3C definition. It's an old W3C definition. Um, basically, what they're saying here is that a pixel is a certain angle of view. They use uh, this graphic to show. Basically, if you are close to the screen, for instance, if you're uh, watching a mobile phone, pixels are comparatively smaller than what, uh, when you're watching something far away, for instance, a TV. So it's all about the angle of view. Now, in theory, this sounds nice, but in practice, it doesn't make much sense. Because if a pixel is a certain angle in your view, and you have, say, a font size of 12 pixels or something, you're not allowed to zoom. Or uh, at least the fonts should stay exactly the same size because it is supposed to cover a certain angle in your view. So basically, if we would follow uh, W3C's definition of a pixel to the letter, we would not be uh, allowed to zoom. I had a long conversation about this with uh, Chris Wilson, uh, currently from Google, and he said, yeah, but really zooming is like a kind of a special issue, and you are allowed to zoom, which is okay by me, but then the whole definition just doesn't make too much sense to me. So, um, in fairness, this whole definition stems from, I don't know, 1998 or something, and back then W3C uh, just basically didn't pay attention to the actual web and just went on with its uh, academic pursuits and so on. Uh, so I kind of expect this definition to be changed uh, in the not-too-distant future. But for, uh, for now, uh, we have to conclude that pixels according to W3C have nothing to do with reality. So, a pixel is not a pixel because there's actually three kinds of pixels. CSS pixels, density-independent pixels, or DIPs, and device pixels. Uh, the density-independent pixels are new. I'm going to talk about them later. But CSS pixels and device pixels have basically existed as long as web browsers existed. And secretly, you already know how to work with them. You just don't realize it. Because what is a CSS pixels? Basically, they are the ones we use in CSS declarations. If you say with 190 pixels, you mean 190 CSS pixels. If you say padding left 20 pixels, you mean 20 CSS pixels. Um, they are basically an abstract con construct, a kind of a layer um, that browser vendors have created, especially for us web developers, so we can write some CSS. And the trick of CSS pixels is that their size may be increased or decreased. 
Um, and you already know this, but I'm now going to explain it to you. Um, this is an example site, it's the Mobilism 2012 site, uh, which is of course properly responsive and all that. Mobilism is a mobile conference, so we say, okay, we're going to make it responsive. But for the, most of this presentation, I'm going to pretend it's not responsive, so that you can actually see the problems mobile uh, browser vendors are facing. But first, something about CSS pixels. So we have uh, navigation here with 190 pixels, and we have a padding left here of 34%. Right? If we zoom in, we get this. And you all know this. I mean, you've done this countless times. But stop for a moment and think about what's happening here. I mean, this box is now larger than it was. Is that because it secretly has a, a higher width now? No, it does not. It's still 190 pixels wide, 100, 190 CSS pixels, but those pixels themselves have increased in size. That is what's happening with, uh, when you zoom. And basically, we don't really think about this. We do this uh, automatically. So basically, what I'm trying to say is you already know how CSS pixels work, right? They are just this layer that you need to make sense of your CSS. Now, device pixels are also easy to understand. They are the physical, actual pixels on the device, right? A certain device has a certain amount of fixed hardware pixels, and you cannot change that in any way, and that's what device pixels are. <clears throat> so, for instance, uh, the old iPhone had 320 pixels, device pixels. Um, the problem is retina screens and uh, uh, other similar things that are, are happening, especially in the Android world. Because what a retina screen does, it, is, it creates more device pixels, right? There are more hardware device pixels on a retina screen than on a normal screen. That's the whole point of retina. Um, the problem here is that because the number of device pixels increases, it could start to break sites. Uh, early responsive sites, because now we have uh, actual device pixels, 640 actual device pixels on the new iPhone. But if we say, okay, our website should now become 640 pixels wide, then we would have a serious breakage problem. And that's why uh, Google, in fact, first, and Apple followed only later, said, okay, we're going to create a new pixel layer called density-independent pixels, which is basically yet another abstract construct created for us web developers. Uh, I'm going to uh, get back to dips later on, but I, I want you to remember that it's somewhere in between CSS pixels and device pixels. It's usually less than device pixels. And um, it is a complicated way of thinking uh, if you first encounter it. But if I give a few more examples later on in this presentation, you will totally understand it. We have another abstraction layer. Oh, yeah, and this is uh, the definition I use. The number of dips is equal to the number of CSS pixels that's optimal for viewing a website on that device. What does that mean? I'll explain to you later because you uh, need to know a little more stuff. Okay, so... Always ask yourself, okay, I'm using pixels here, what kind of pixels am I using? In CSS, that's easy, it's always CSS pixels. In JavaScript, if a, a property is expressed in pixels, for instance, the offset width of an element or something like that, always ask yourself what kind of pixels JavaScript is using here. 99 out of 100 times, that's actually CSS pixels, because especially all the DOM uh, properties and methods are supposed to be working with a layout that uses CSS pixels, right? It's only when you talk about the screen size and that sort of thing that uh, JavaScript may express pixels as device pixels or possibly dips. 
But again, 99% of JavaScript is just CSS pixels, except for the screen sizes. Okay, let's talk about viewports a bit. Um, what is a viewport? It's basically the total amount of space you have for your CSS layout. Um, on the desktop, it's as, uh, as wide as the browser window is, and in practice, we all know that. Um, if you have a sidebar on your site, and you say width 20%, what do you mean? You mean 20% of the entire width of the browser window, right? And if you resize the browser window, the width of the sidebar goes up, up and down, etc., etc. Technically, that is because the width of 20% is 20% of the width of the HTML element, which again is 100% of the width of the viewport. It's nested blocks, right? This may sound complicated, but it's just a matter of nested blocks. The problem is the HTML element is the uppermost block in our uh, websites. Um, uh, basically, it too has to know uh, what its size should be, and it basically looks at the viewport, which is the browser window. So, in a normal desktop website, this is the viewport, right? That's easy. So, basically, uh, what you do with uh, percentages and that kind of stuff is you take percentages of the entire browser window. On mobile, unfortunately, it's a lot more complicated. Um, basically, um, if the mobile browser vendors would copy the desktop system literally and without thinking, uh, many sites would be squeezed to death. It would be horrible. And the point is that especially four years ago, when the whole uh, mobile web started, mobile web brow uh, browsing vendors had to make sure that people could look at desktop sites on their mobile browser, right? Because uh, responsive design hadn't been invented yet. Almost no web developers ever did anything about mobile, so basically they created desktop websites, and the whole challenge of the mobile browser vendors at that point in time was to make sure that those desktop websites showed decently on the mobile device. It will never be great, because uh, it's a desktop website, which basically means too wide, but you can still show them decently. However, if we uh, would take this website, and now we go to a mobile view, and we pretend the mobile browser vendors did absolutely nothing, we get this. And this is horrible. Right? We do not want this. This is, again, the viewport is as wide as the browser window, about 320 pixels now. So it's all squeezed in, and this is exactly the sort of thing that mobile browser vendors wanted to prevent. <clears throat> so basically what they did is they split the viewport into two. And that's actually quite clever. First of all, we have the layout viewport. And the layout viewport is the one that CSS uses. If you say padding left 34%, 34% of what? Of the layout viewport. And under normal circumstances, if you just have a desktop website and don't do anything about mobile, the layout viewport is roughly 800 to 1,000 pixels wide on the, the several mobile browsers. So basically, this is the layout viewport, right? We're looking at a desktop website which has not been optimized for mobile. We're looking at it uh, on a mobile device. And basically, we cannot see the entire site. Because uh, basically, the browser vendor has said, OK, our screen is about 320 pixels wide. But we're going to say, CSS layout, you can have, I don't know, 960 pixels, 980 pixels, 800 pixels, something like that. So that's a layout viewport, and it is used uh, to calculate all your CSS stuff. 
The, the other viewport is the visual viewport, and that is the uh, part of the site that you're actually seeing right now. So that's basically this. The layout viewport is for the CSS, the visual viewport is actually for the user. This is what the user is currently seeing on his screen. Look at it like this. Um, we have a viewport, a canvas, if you wish, and the artist, which is you, the web developer, creates a beautiful picture on that canvas, right? Let's say this is a beautiful desktop website. Um, but mobile users are forced to look at it through a keyhole. And that's a visual viewport, right? And you can, of course, move the keyhole around, and you can zoom in and zoom out if you want to, but it's still a keyhole. Uh, which means that even the best desktop uh, website out there is not going to work really, really brilliantly on mobile. Initially, also, most browsers make the visual viewport equal to the layout viewport. Again, if they encounter a website that has not been optimized for mobile. Uh, basically, they zoom out the page as much as possible and you get this effect. This is, of course, absolutely impossible to read for anyone, but the good part about it is that you, as a user, can scan the web page and can figure out, okay, I want to go to the main navigation or I want to read the text and zoom in on that. It's not brilliant, it's not what we want on mobile, but it's a decent compromise for those websites that are just not mobile optimized. One important JavaScript uh, property pair, window in a width and in a height. They give the width and the height of the visual viewport and CSS pixels, which means that if the user zooms in, less CSS pixels fit in the visual viewport, and these properties are updated. Um, basically, um, when I started um, studying this, uh, it was horrible. Basically, it was only supported by BlackBerry, Nokia, and Apple. The situation, meanwhile, has improved drastically um, because basically it now works on all modern mobile browsers except for Android 2, works fine on Android 3 and 4, Firefox so far, and IE9 works fine on IE10. So basically, this is actually usable. If you want to know how much of your website the user is currently viewing, query window.innerwidth and window.innerheight. Let's talk about zooming a bit, because basically, window.innerwidth and height react to user zooming. And what you have to realize is uh, that zooming on desktop and on mobile is something completely different. What you do on the desktop when you zoom is basically make the CSS pixels larger, right? We saw that in the very first example. The point is that the viewport stays the same, which means that less CSS pixels fit in the viewport. Uh, so, padding left 34% has to be recalculated because there's less uh, CSS pixels now and they have to take 34% of that, etc., etc. We already saw that. This is unzoomed, this is zoomed. Note that it adapts to the size, the new size in CSS pixels of the viewport. Right? There's less CSS pixels in the viewport now, so this line is going to wrap and the, um, this 190 pixels is going to be, become larger, etc., etc. You're all used to that. You've used this for years now. But I want you to think about what's actually happening under the hood. So this is desktop zooming, mobile zooming. Um, basically, what happens on mobile, when you zoom on mobile is that the visual viewport becomes smaller or larger, but the layout viewport stays the same. And the trick behind that is, 
Uh, every time you zoom a site in the desktop browser, it has to recalculate the entire layout, right? Probably they use clever tricks nowadays, but the point remains that they have to recalculate everything. You know, the 34% is now 34% of less pixels, etc., etc., etc. They could that, do that on mobile too, but it eats a lot of CPU power and battery life, especially battery life. These things are expensive in terms of battery life, and that's uh, what mobile vendors, especially our Apple, want to prevent, right? So they do not change the layout viewport at all, just the visual viewport. And the visual viewport, if you zoom in, contains less CSS pixels. User sees less of the complete site, but okay, that's what he wants, right? Because he zooms in. So basically what happens on mobile, we still have the layout viewport here, and we are going to uh, make this part of the site bigger by zooming. You see it happens. Also note, uh, it runs a bit off screen, but this line doesn't wrap because the actual size of the layout viewport hasn't changed. You have just made the keyhole slightly smaller. That's all that's happening. The site in the layout viewport is still exactly the same. So that's a crucial difference between desktop and mobile zooming. Let's talk about position fixed for a bit. Who likes to use position fixed on mobile websites here? Nobody. I'm talking about the ideal situation. A few people, a few people. Um, that's because over the past few years with all that, oh, position fix doesn't really work on the mobile web. Um, first of all, actually the situation is improving rather dramatically. And secondly, I want to explain you why it's such a hassle on mobile websites. This is the official W3C definition. You probably know it. Position fix is like position absolute, right? You place a, uh, an element somewhere at a fixed uh, location, and it stays there when the user scrolls because it's fixed with respect to the viewport. But on mobile, we have two viewports, the visual viewport and the layout viewport. So the question uh, is now, which viewport are the mobile browsers using to uh, fix their elements relative to? And of course, as you may have guessed, that is browser dependent. Some browsers do this, other browsers do that. Still, I said, uh, I said a minute ago, the situation is improving dramatically because nowadays most browsers actually use the visual viewport, which means that position fixed actually works as you would expect it to work. I'm going to show you uh, that in a moment. Uh, others uh, still use, uh, use the layout viewport, and if you use the layout viewport, I'll show you that in a minute, basically position fixed is the same as position absolute because the fixed thing still scrolls with the page. Opera ha hops, I'm going to show you that too, and Safari does something really weird. Uh, I haven't tested in iOS 6 yet, but I'm not really happy with the way uh, Safari implements position fixed in iOS 5, because to me it doesn't make sense. They try to uh, create a complicated compromise between something and something else, and then they went high on something, and then they thought, yeah, let's do this like that. It scrolls slower than the page, whatever. I don't know, I don't understand, and I'm not going to talk about that today. Instead, I'm going to show you some. I hope my demo works. Uh, if you want to see the actual test page I'm going to show you, go to quirksmode.org slash m, and go to position fixed. No. Works fine so far. We go full screen. Uh, what I have here is a Samsung Galaxy Note running Android 4. 
And I am going to show you uh, how position uh, fixed works in four browsers. And we start with the UC browser. You've all heard of the UC browser, right? <laughs> oh. It's the most popular browser in China. So if ch uh, China is important for you, uh, you should definitely make your stuff work in UC. This is the UC browser. Um, what you have to uh, look at is this red layer. That's the fixed layer. Now, what happens when I scroll in the UC browser? It goes up. Basically, it's the same as position absolute, and that is because it is fixed relative to the layout viewport. Right? The layout viewport is basically what you're seeing on the screen now, uh, and it stays that way. Um, um, the rest is just overflow. So it, it's a bit complicated to explain, but basically this is what you get when you implement position fixed relative to the layout viewport. You get basically position absolute. Now, interesting, what happens when I zoom? Oh, where's it gone? Oh, it's gone. It's gone, it's gone. Where is it? Where is my fixed layer? Where's my fixed layer? I don't know. I don't know. Let's zoom out a bit. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God, I lost my fixed layer. I lost my fixed layer. This is a browser bug. It's what I make money with. So this is not a particularly brilliant example of implementing position fixed. Let's go to Opera Mobile. Uh, Opera Mobile uh, fixes the uh, layer relative to the layout viewport, just as we saw now. But when I release the screen and stop scrolling, it jumps to the bottom. That's what I meant with hopping. And if we go up again, it hops up. Hop down, it hops down. This, again, is not really brilliant, but it's a lot better than you see what we saw. And what happens when I zoom? Oh dear, where's my layer gone? Ah, there it is. You know, and it's still hopping. Well, sometimes, not always. <laughs> Which is probably understandable, but it's still a bit vague. And now we zoom out. Oh, excuse me. And we zoom out again. And, well, it kind of works. At least it's reliable, that's something. Let's switch to Chrome on Android. Um, here, the fixed layer is placed relative to the visual viewport, and what we get is this. This is what we want, right? The layer stays in place no matter how I scroll. Let's zoom in. Let's see what happens now. Ooh, where's my layer? Ah, there it is again. So the jump is not particularly elegant, but the rest of what Chrome is doing is actually pretty good, because not only is the layer still fixed, even when I zoom, it also wraps the line for us. So basically, it tries to fit the entire fixed element into the viewport. And that's important. Uh, we zoom out again, hop, it's gone, there it is again. Okay, finally, let's go to Android WebKit, which is the default Android 4 browser. Ooh, that's weird. Ooh, it's good, except that there's a bit here that doesn't really work very well. Let's reload it. Let's see if that helps. Oh, yeah, now it's fine. Great. So, again, this is what we want with position fixed. Let's zoom in a bit. Oh, yes, this grows really nicely, right? This is what we want. This is really what we want. We want the fixed layer to remain visible even during the zooming process. Except for one thing. As you see, it doesn't wrap the line. So basically, if I want to read the entire text, I try to scroll, but of course the layer doesn't move because it's fixed, right? 
So there's no way in hell I can read this entire a bit of text while I'm zoomed in. Um, I would like to take the opportunity to thank the browser vendors for making stuff so different because that supports my business model. Thank you, browser vendors. Um, I want to show you one more thing. Um, a while ago, I was uh, thinking about position fixed, and I thought, hmm, yeah, maybe what we need is a new value for position, which is called device fixed. And I created a demo. The demo is done in JavaScript. And it's uh, basically what I do is this is a so-called fixed layer. And what I want it to do is stay at its, at its position and also keep the same font size. Because I was thinking, okay, we might uh, want to have a device fixed layer that basically says, okay, I'm entirely relative to basically the screen. And now technically this is quite complicated, also because it would be relative to, excuse me, relative to device pixels and not CSS pixels. But I thought, okay, I'll, I'll throw it in. And I created this demo, and it's actually this demo that I want to show you, because I, I do this purely with JavaScript. I just reposition the stuff uh, after scrolling and resizing. But exactly how do I do that? It's, it's extremely simple, but I just want to show you because you need to figure out how to do this sort of stuff. So we go to re-edit. Oh, come along now. Yeah, there we are. Can you read this? No, not really. Uh, basically, I do it here. Uh, I calculate the lower left of the screen, right? That's what I want to know, the lower left and the lower right. How do I uh, calculate that? It's pretty simple. You take the window page Y offset, which is basically the amount the user has scrolled. This works exactly the same on desktop and on mobile. So if you want the scrolling offset, just query window.x and y offset, and it absolutely works fine. Then we add the top left of the screen, but we want to go to the bottom left, so we simply add window.inner uh, window height, which is basically the height of the entire screen in CSS pixels, depending on the current zoom level. And this reliably, reliably gives you the coordinate of the bottom left. That is of the, uh, the pixel that happens to be in the bottom left at the current uh, zooming and panning, right? Because it changes all the time. So basically, it's not really complicated. And I mean, the great thing that has happened over the past year is that window.inner height has become reliable in many browsers. Okay, so that was the demo. We continue. Because we need to talk a little bit about media queries. This is a media query. Who here has never yet used a media query? Nobody. Cool. Because you need them. Um, basically, I'm saying here, if uh, the width of the screen is max a maximum of 600 pixels, add this bit of CSS, right? That's how media queries work. But what kind of pixels and which width exactly, right? What does width 600 pixels mean here? How does the browser actually calculate that? That's what we're going to talk about. Um, there are basically two important media queries with respect to pixels and viewports, width and device width. And usually we use min width and max width because we don't want to target an exact width, but more like a spectrum, say from 300 to 600 pixels, whatever. And width is the one you want. Forget about device width. Uh, because what device width does is it gives the width of the device screen in device pixels and not in CSS pixels. 
Um, it's equal to JavaScript stream.width in all browsers, even the mobile ones. And basically, it gives you this dimension on desktop. Do you care about how wide the user screen is? No, you do not. What you want to know is how wide his browser window is. And that's exactly what width does. It gives the width of the viewport in CSS pixels, so that's great. Uh, there are a few zooming problems, but I have, I have to study them better. And it's equal to document, document, element, client, width. This is the width media query, and this is what you want, right? You want to know how wide the screen currently, excuse me, the browser window currently is. Uh, now, a mobile, it's almost exactly opposite, because this is the device width, right? It's the width of the actual physical screen of the device. But in general, you do not care about that, especially not because it's usually in device pixels. And this is the width media query. The width media query on mobile gives the width of the layout viewport. And that's important to know. <clears throat> so um, width is the media query you want, except that that seems odd with the last uh, screenshot uh, in thought, because you do not really care about the layout viewport. You want to know something about the device, about the width of the screen of the device, right? <clears throat> um, there's one last element we need to treat, and then you will understand everything. And that's, of course, the meta viewport. This is a meta viewport. Who here has never yet heard of the meta viewport? Nobody. Cool. Um, I like this syntax more. Opera proposed it. As far as I know, it's Opera only. Um, but we're stuck with this for the moment. Okay, so what exactly is happening here? Um, basically, what you set here is the size of the layout viewport. Um, usually, you set it to device width. You can also give a pixel value. If you want to say, uh, I, in one of my tests, I deliberately give it a pixel value of 380 pixels, because it's a, a value that is used natively by no mobile device. So it's really uh, cool for testing purposes. But in general, you create a website not to test, but to actually show something interesting to users, right? Um, and that's basically why device width is the more, most important one, uh, because it basically means the screen size in device pixels or in DIPs, the density-independent pixels we talked about at the start, right? <clears throat> this is what's going to happen, right? This is the site without meta viewport, and this is the site with meta viewport. And, of course, a lot of media queries that make sure that the uh, elements are rearranged, standard responsive design. Right? This is what we want. What we do here, technically speaking, is saying, dear browser, the layout viewport now is not 800 or 1,000 pixels wide, but the size you consider best for the device. And that's why there's little reason to use other values than device width, because usually browser vendors are pretty good at taking a value that's actually useful and nice on the device. And because you now tell the layout viewport, basically, please become as wide as a device, the width media, media query now contains useful information. Because it gives you this width. Even better, it also works on desktop, right? So uh, what we have done here uh, via the uh, meta viewport tag is make sure that the, uh, the size of the layout viewport makes sense for the device. And um, I thought I had another slide here, but 
What I have to explain is about the dips. Um, We, have, we had the iPhone, the old iPhone, 320 device pixels, and if you use the um, meta viewport, device width, you also get a layout viewport of 320 pixels wide, right? Because Apple said, okay, this is perfect and optimal for our device, so that's what you should use. And in general, you should listen to that kind of stuff. Then the Retina screen came out, and it suddenly had 640 device pixels. And that was going to be a problem because if they now say, okay, device width is now 640 pixels instead of 320, lots of websites, lots of mobile optimized websites would break. And that's why they basically said, okay, so we're going to insert yet another layer of abstraction, and that's the dips, that's the device independent pixels, right? Basically, the device pixels on a retina screen are 640 but the device in the, the density independent pixels are still 320 and that is what the meta viewport uses so basically they inserted yet another layer that basically says okay the layout viewport should be roughly as wide uh, as this because it's optimal for our device and that's what the dips do. In general, you don't really have to think about dips. Well, unless you go into uh, a device pixel ratio and that kind of stuff, that is interesting but also complicated, and I'm not yet totally sure it's actual of, uh, of actual practical use to web developers, but there I could be wrong. In any case, what we basically treat it now is how responsive design works. The trick for creating a responsive design is using the meta viewport with device width, telling the browser, okay, please optimize it for this specific device. Combine it with, with media queries. And that is basically it. This is the technical foundation of responsive design, and you probably already knew that, but I hope in this presentation I've made clear why that is the case. Because it's pretty complicated on mobile, but with this trick it just basically works. And 99% uh, of the time, it basically works is enough. Um, but Frontiers is a rather high-level conference, and I want you to understand why this sort of stuff works. I hope you understand it a little better now. Thank you for your attention. Uh, I will put these slides online, and then I think Chris is going to interview me now, unless there are no questions at all. All right, thanks PPK. Um, if the next speaker wants to set up as well and sell his laptop, we can do that. Good, uh, that was a lot. Okay, it was, yeah, it's complicated. But people need to understand this. But uh, doesn't everybody just have an iPhone? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you have an iPhone? No. Exactly. Um, oh, that's interesting, in fact. How many people of you here have an iPhone? Android? Oh, there's not so many Android. Uh, Windows Phone? <laughs> Blackberry? Symbian? Ah, somebody with Symbian. Oh, that's cool. Uh, any other kind of phone I haven't mentioned yet? Firefox OS? <coughs> it's not out yet. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, a few questions out there. Um, uh, especially when what people are asking, like, okay, this is all good. Do you know any responsive framework that you would actually recommend? No, I do not. 
Um, uh, my problem is I have never used a framework or JavaScript library. Never, ever in my entire life. Oh. Okay, that's popular, obviously. Um, which basically means uh, I do not follow uh, the framework and library market at all. Um, it could be that we get a nice responsive framework, but I mean, what's the point? You just have to create, I don't know, two, three, maybe five layouts and set uh, nice breakpoints with media queries and all that. Um, um, I think it's too early still uh, to start using frameworks that give you a, a kind of an answer. It's, it's more like a time to ask questions now. Okay, how do I make this best? And it's best to actually create the site yourself. To say, okay, this doesn't work, so I am going to remove the sidebar or put it uh, at the bottom of the site or whatever, and just figure it out, just monkey with the site. So no, I, I actually, I would not recommend uh, using uh, a responsive framework at all. Okay. Because you have enough time to write things from scratch every single time. Yes. There are some people that have to deliver things quickly. Oh, that, that's a problem. Okay. <laughs> Their problem, obviously. Um, so one thing that I found, and your, your JavaScript solution is a great example. Is there already a specification recommendation or is there other discussions no. in the mailing list about this? Uh, there is no specification for all of this. I basically figured it out myself. And then I just started uh, mailing browser vendors, okay, you must implement this now. And they actually obeyed me, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So, uh, but what I said, I mean, uh, um, I've, I've got uh, a couple of uh, uh, pages on my site, uh, quirksmoorg slash mobile, you can find it there. And they basically talk about uh, window.inner width and height and the viewports and the JavaScript properties. And actually, uh, browser compatibility is getting better and better and better. I kind of guess we're only a year away from uh, true uh, compatibility across all uh, modern mobile browsers. Hmm. Uh, the BlackBerry Dev Group in the Netherlands uh, asks how to start handling these insane large screens for mobile 1280 by 768 and responsive design. 1280? Well, then you show, just show the desktop side, right? Yeah. I would say. To be I mean, uh, they, uh, well, uh, okay, I'm saying desktop side, uh, but that's not really fair, of course, because we just have to think uh, of it as a continuum. You say, okay, on 320 we show basically a one column side, then from 320 to 600 or whatever, we show two columns, and above that we maybe show three columns, and on really large sizes above 1024 we do something else. But it's a continuum, and we definitely should not say, okay, our site should look exactly like this on the desktop and exactly like that on this specific tablet. It's just a matter of responsive design, which includes, of course, a liquid layout, elastic layout, however they call it nowadays. That's the most important part. So I would say uh, if you have a really, really big device, you show the uh, desktop website. And I don't care if it's a mobile device or a laptop or a desktop or whatever. Hmm. Uh, it's very interesting to see. Uh, it seems like we have to duplicate our work continuously, and it getting, it's getting worse with the with DPI, high DPI resolution uh, systems. We don't even know what's coming in the Windows tablets, for example. Would it be sometimes to say, like, you know what, just let it, uh, let it zoom and then people click on it? As you yes. said, like, you have an overview over the page and just what you want to have you zoom into. That's the use case that most people actually used to because mm -hmm. our devices didn't do it. Mm -hmm. When did you say, is it really worthwhile to go into the nitty-gritty of making the different layouts? Oh, that's a good question. Um, first you. of all, um, responsive design right now is a fashion. 
uh, just like Ajax was. I think Mark uh, said exactly the same. Basically, we have now a powerful new tool, but everybody uh, assumes that they have to use it all the time, which is basically not the case. Because what I'm thinking of is Zoom-based layouts. Uh, I made a little example, I don't know, years ago, basically like a, a newspaper. Um, when you come uh, on the site, you basically see uh, one main article, plus a lot of other articles which are much smaller. So basically what you have to do is zoom in to the actual uh, article you want to read. And uh, I think actually that's going to be one of the next steps uh, in web development, that we are going to create zoom-based interfaces, where zooming is actual, uh, actually a crucial part of the interface, and not just something that you have to do because your screen is too small. Right? Um, which again brings me back to all those JavaScript properties, because if we're going to create Zoom-based interf interfaces, we're really going to need them. It, it, it takes me back to, remember when, uh, when GeoCities had, the, had the, uh, the branding on the side that was positioned with JavaScript and on-scrolling, it always mm, uh, yeah, flickered and cool. stuff. Uh, seeing the processors in, uh, in mobile phones, a JavaScript solution would have that problem, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Um, that's why I'm also saying that you really should not use JavaScript libraries on mobile because they just, uh, they just uh, eat too much battery life and too much uh, processing power. Uh, there was an interesting uh, research done back in April, presented back in April, where they just took an Android device and measured uh, its, uh, its battery uh, energy consumption when they loaded, I think it was Wikipedia or something. And that was huge, because Wikipedia basically uses, I think, jQuery for a simple accordion effect. And then they uh, created a simple accordion effect just in 30 lines of JavaScript, as you can, and that, uh, that markedly reduced uh, the energy consumption of the site. And that's what we're seeing right now, is that all the tools, uh, all the client-side tools that we've developed for desktop are just too heavy for mobile, not only because of the processing power involved, but also because uh, there is a finite battery life. And as a user, you're not happy if you go to three pages, which eat up all your, all your battery because uh, uh, the web developer thought, okay, I'll use six uh, JavaScript libraries in that page. So I think we should um, reconsider the use of JavaScript libraries, especially on mobile. Well, a lot of JavaScript libraries are just there to simulate things that are now in CSS for the uh, less enabled browsers. We don't mention names. No, but, we uh, don't. but then you uh, don't need it on mobile. Yeah, you don't have them on mobile. No. So, so learning more CSS for the average JavaScript guy is a good idea? Yes. I mean, we, we should, uh, you know, um, it's uh, what, uh, what Mark uh, to, uh, talked about uh, with all the silos, right? You are a designer, so you work in Photoshop, and he is a developer, so he works in something complicated, and he types all kinds of things with uh, uh, brackets and stuff. You have to learn a little bit about each other's work. And that's basically what we're getting here. Even if you are a CSS wizard, and basically what you create is CSS, you should know a bit of, about HTML, about CSS, uh, about uh, interface design, graphic design, and all kinds of stuff that you need. Not, uh, not a lot, just a little bit. You hear a lot of like uh, truisms right now, and I've been ranting about this in a few of my talks, when people talk about like high density and retina displays now on, on iPhones and iPads, and they say start with the retina picture and then scale down on the other browsers. Completely ridiculous. Start with the simple picture, even maybe with a low source picture, and then scale up for uh, retina uh, displays. If the connection speed allows it,
Because even if you are on a Retina iPad and you love seeing uh, Retina-enhanced uh, graphics, you do not love it so much when you're on uh, 3G or even 2G out uh, somewhere in the wild and you just want to download a website. And you don't care about the ret Retina-optimized images, you just want to see the website. Should that be the job of the developer, or should there be an image format that has different formats streaming inside? Oh, I love uh, the whole uh, thing with the, the picture element or whatever it is nowadays. I mean, I want that. That is absolutely what we are going to need. You basically have to uh, be able to specify several uh, versions of your image, low source, normal, and high, uh, high res, something like that. And, of course, you have to be able to set... Um, uh, to set ways of figuring out which one to use. And currently, I think they uh, do it with media queries, right? But you should also factor in connection speed again. Because again, if I'm on a Retina iPad, but I'm somewhere in the, in the bush bush, and there's only three, uh, 2G uh, connection available, I don't want high-resolution images. I just want the site and maybe a low-res image if it's fun or something. But uh, I mean, it doesn't depend only on screen size or even on Retina displays. It also uh, depends on connection speed. And that's what people don't realize uh, enough nowadays. Bush bush. Bush bush. <laughs> Did you find it on Apple Maps or...? Yes, I did. It was, it was actually quite... A, it's a, a roughly here. Okay, fair enough. Thank you very much, BBK. Thank you.